Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus. You are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC. John Coleman. Dude, what is popping with this sleepy, hollow weather today in Florida? This sleepy, hollow weather in Florida is way better than what they are having up in the Northeast. Really? Yeah, I flew home from New York City last night. JetBlue? No. Delta. Of course, I was joking. Delta. From MCO to LaGuardia. Had an awesome time, by the way. Took the, the wife and kids up there. Uh, I guess technically, as my son says, it's his last official spring break because he's a senior in high school. Mm. Every other spring break going forward, it doesn't sound like it involves mom, dad, or his sister. Mm. But no, we went up there. We did four days, four nights. And you know my family doesn't vacation. Like, we adventure. So that's like you're up at 7. You don't get home until 9 p.m. And it's go, go, go. But if I try to, like, name everything we did. We went to uh, One World. We did the observation deck. Then we did dinner at One Dine, which is on top of One World. Okay. Really awesome photos. You probably saw me do them on the IG story. Mm-hmm. We went to a phenomenal dinner at the ABC Kitchen, which is down in, like, the Hell's Kitchen area of New York City. Went to an amazing play. Like, and Juliet, one of my top five plays I've ever seen. Like, mm-hmm. literally, I'll put it up there with Miss Saigon. I'll put it up there with uh, Rent. I'll put it up there with Hamilton. Loved, loved, loved it. Um, so we went, we went to see that my son, my 18 year old, he was like, dad, I want to go to the Met. I'm like, seriously, I took him to the Met while my wife took my daughter shopping on fifth Avenue, by the way, pretty sure she broke the bank at the Lululemon store. Um, luckily they did go to, to H and M. So, uh, H and M's a lot cheaper than Lulu mm-hmm. and they walked into, is it called Saks? Yeah. They walked into Saks just to dick. walk in. Just to walk in, but God. they did that. My son and I went up to um, to the Met. Uh, we went to our favorite brunch spot. Did you get pizza? That's oh, all that matters. Yes. Yeah, so we took the kids, kind of obligatory, but they're old enough now. We made them go do the 9-11 Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we were going to walk the Brooklyn Bridge, but the weather was garbage. So we took a overpriced Uber from... 9-11 Museum over the Brooklyn Bridge, and uh, we went to not Juliana's, but the other pizza place. It was cash only? They took credit card this time. Ah, then you didn't go to the right spot. No, there's two There's no, two places that no. constantly are battling. Under, Is it, d- was it under Dumbo? Was it by Dumbo? Yes, it was by Dumbo, okay. John. Was yes. it two floors? Yes, it okay, was Okay, so I know with, my shit. With a bunch of ATM machines. I think post-COVID, they now take oh, card. Oh, okay, okay. I think okay, post-COVID. Because okay. I noticed, I was like, crap, there's like 1,800 ATM machines Ginormous slices, right? Yeah, it was okay, fantastic. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. but we had pizza. Then we ended our we ended our trip going to the Metropolitan. No, we went to um, the Natural History Museum. Jesus. It's oh, not... my, my wife and I went to the J.P. Morgan Library Museum. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, like, we stop, just stop, stop. Museum this was museum. not a vacation. This was an adult field trip for your family. We had to check the boxes to get full credit. For the... Oh, full credit. We had extra credit. Jesus. We got extra credit. This was like an AP. Did you go to like a speakeasy and have like a $40 Manhattan? I did not go to a speakeasy and have a $40 Manhattan. Did you no. go to a dispensary? It's legal there now. I walked past a ton of them. You know what? Um... You know who was in concert? Yeet. Yeet was in concert. Never heard of him. That neither had I. But my son really wanted to go. Shit, you should have got me some from up there. That New York Kush would have been good. For this yeah, one. I'm sure they had plenty of it at the Yeet concert. <laughs> uh, but he didn't want to go with me. I'm like, I'm like Jackson. I will literally sit at the bar drinking beer the whole time. 
you can go down to the, general uh, is it called general admission yeah i don't I, me and general admission don't get along if i'm not vip i'm not there so nonetheless um you and i can kind of get caught back up because i don't know if the listeners know this but like i was basically gone the past 10 days yeah literally i went to costa rica for four days mm-hmm. with um work mm-hmm. tough work but went came back for a day then hopped on an airplane took the kids up to New York City for four days. Got back. Mm-hmm. You and I were working, working ahead. Dropped some bangers. Yeah, of shout episodes. out Justin. Justin's episodes banging right yeah. now. And then we are fielding requests while I was out of town. I'm fielding requests, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Dio, you got to talk about SVB, Silicon Valley Bank." I thought you meant senior vice president. B, not P. I see. I help the listeners to say that as well. Yep, I have a slight SVB. Not SVP, Scott Van Pelt, which sometimes people, when they're being dicks, they're like, you know who you look like? uh, You know who you look like? That guy from ESPN. That guy. That guy. SVB. So we're not talking about Scott Van Pelt. We're not talking about Senior Vice President. We're talking about Silicon Valley National Bank or Silicon Valley Bank. Might not be national. I'll be real with you. Never heard of them until like yesterday or something. Okay. Well, then here's what you need to know because it was them. It was Signature. And there's some other banks currently caught in the crosshairs. What you need to know is it was one of the largest bank failures ever. And it happened just a week ago. So just a week ago, massive bank failures, the largest bank failure since Washington Mutual failed back in 2008. And listeners reached out, they deal and we need you to do an episode. So I'm going to do an episode. Mm -hmm. John and I are going to do that today. We're going to talk about how it happened, how it impacts the markets, most specifically the real estate and mortgage markets, because that's what we know best. But I need you all to know that this is the outer banks of where I start straddling, feeling very comfortable and a little bit out of my comfort zone. So this is going to be the world according to Dustin Know and the way that it makes sense to me based on all of my experiences working in the mortgage banking arena, okay? I have read numerous articles. I've spoken to executives regarding this topic, and I'm going to regurgitate the way that it makes sense to me and that I understand it. Mm -hmm. And you should take it for what it's worth. I'm pretty confident in my accuracy. I'm pretty confident in my ability to break it down into layperson's terminology because a lot of the news articles that you may read or the investigative reports are very geeked out, right? They are very high level for those that are in the industry that are in the trenches. But I can imagine people trying to read those articles and being like ripping their hair out saying, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Today, we're gonna try to talk about what does that mean? Thank you very much. Cause I saw it on the news where I didn't see it. My mom had it on the background and I don't listen to that shit. So I just heard people bitching about each other. Yeah, so here's, um, here's what you need, you need to understand. There's a classic holiday movie, like a black and white movie. And I want to say the movie is It's a Wonderful Life. And in that movie, there's a scene where there's a bank run. A bank run, you need to understand, and we're going to break this down starting right now, is when everybody decides they want their money all at one time. And they all show up to the bank to take it out. Okay, just think about that. And in that particular movie, the lead character is explaining to his clients, these banking clients, I don't have your money. And it's like, what do you mean you don't have my money? I need my money. And that guy was like, well, your money is in John's mortgage. Your money is in 
Sally's car loan. Your money is in Pete's business. So we first need to understand how banks work before we understand how banks collapse. Banks work this way. They borrow money for cheap and they use that cheap money to invest in other business money-making ventures. On a very, very simplistic basis, they paid John Coleman 1% interest to deposit his money with them where they will keep John's money safe and they'll pay John 1% so that they can turn around and lend me, Dustin Owen, money to buy a home at 5%. So they're paying John 1%, so the bank borrows at 1%, then the bank in return invests in me and they charge me 5%, at which point they're picking up a 4% spread. Okay, that's how banks work. A bank run happens when everybody at one time decides they want their money because the bank doesn't have your money. Your money that you deposited in your bank or your credit unit is currently out in other investment vehicles, whether that's a SBA loan, whether that's a mortgage, whether it's a credit card, whether that is um, a commercial loan, whether that is a business line of credit, like it's invested. And if and when everybody wanted their money at one time, the bank has to go and raise those funds. Okay, so let's talk about Silicon Valley Bank, SVB. Because how did this transpire? Well, Silicon Valley was taking the money that people like John were depositing and they were investing that money into securities. The securities that they were investing in were bonds. Okay, all well and good. But here's the deal. They're investing in bonds in years like 2020, 2021, when the yields on bonds were paying two to 3%. So two to 3%, but they were only paying John 0.5%, they're making a spread. The problem with a bond, and I'm gonna geek out a tad bit here, is bonds have what's called duration, okay? Or you have a duration risk, meaning that that bond is going to pay that two or 3% for whatever period of time it, it is locked in for. Is it a two-year bond? Is it a 10-year bond? Is it a 30-year mortgage-backed security? At which point you paid a price to purchase it and it's going to spit you off a rate of return. And in theory, that would work because bonds are deemed to be safe. A lot of bonds are deemed to be guaranteed, especially if they're backed by the government. So there's a chance that the people over at SVB thought they were doing something prudent when they were borrowing money from John as a depositor and paying John half a percent. They are investing that money into something they deemed safe, such as a bond, and that bond was paying two and a half or 3%, which was five to six times what they were paying John for his deposits they were earning elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Well, then we have this little thing called inflation, okay? And then all of a sudden, inflation is causing the cost of goods to skyrocket and the federal reserve steps in like wait a minute this is too much of a of a good thing because two percent inflation is good three percent inflation's eh, getting there a little bit scary five six percent eight percent inflation that's bad well we need to fight inflation how do we fight inflation we have to increase the cost of borrowing 
So the minute that the Fed starts increasing the cost of borrowing, then that means the cost of borrowing across the board goes up. Well, what is a bond? A bond is literally a financial instrument that we use to raise money, right? So like companies and municipalities issue bonds, traders purchase them for a guaranteed rate of return. Well, when the cost of money is increasing, then you have to increase what you're paying to bondholders to raise money. So all of a sudden, someone who's holding bonds at two to 3%, those bonds aren't worth what they were when you bought them because now those same bonds are being issued with four and 5% yields. Okay, wait a minute, I'm a little bit confused. So you're saying that I as a bank purchased a bunch of bonds and they were paying 2%, 3%. Now all of a sudden, the same bonds that I have paying me 2 to 3%, someone else on the open market can get them, but they're going to pay 5 or 6%? And the answer is yes. Okay, well, that's not good for the person holding, holding the bond at 2 to 3%. No, you are correct. It is not good. And more importantly, for the John Coleman's that come in to be clients today, do you think John Coleman's going to be cool with you still paying him 0.5%? Now you better come up off that money. Correct. You may need to pay John two and a half or 3%. But wait a minute. How can I do that? Because all of my money is tied in and it's only earning me two to three. I can't afford to pay a depositor two to 3% while also earning two to 3% myself. Someone help. Now there's no spread. Help me. Someone help me. Okay, well, when all of the John Coleman's who were clients of Silicon Valley Bank understood that they could make more money elsewhere or that their bank had their money invested in assets that weren't really producing a high enough rate of return to keep up with inflation or worse, and this is what happened, those assets weren't worth what they booked them for, right? Because when you book a bond, you purchase a bond and that's what SVB was doing. That bond has a price. Well, that let's say the price is $100. Well, $100 when it's paying 3%. But what happens when all the other bonds are paying 6% and I need to sell a 3% bond? I have to sell it at a discount. I have to sell it for $50, not 100. That means if I purchase $2 billion worth of bonds that are paying 2 to 3% and I need to sell them to raise money because guys like John want their money back, I need to take a loss of $1 billion because I'm selling these bonds to raise the money I need to pay John the money that he deposited with me. If you're picking up what I'm putting down, all of a sudden that's a run. There's a run on the bank. And that is what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. They had taken John's money, they'd invested it into a certain asset, a certain vehicle, that vehicle was bonds. And all of a sudden the valuation of those bonds plummeted due to inflation and due to what the Federal Reserve was doing mm. to curb or fight inflation. Now that would have been all well and good because it was just a paper loss, right? It's not a loss until you actually try to sell out of the position you're in. Mm -hmm. But when John and all of John's friends caught wind that A, they could take their money out of Silicon Valley Bank and invest it in other banks or other mm -hmm. financial instruments and make more money, they started inquiring and the bank was like, ooh, but I don't have your money, John. Yo, hold up. So in layman's man's terms, if I went into the bank and I was like, hey, I just want to 
write me a cashier's check for $100,000 that's the entirety of my account, and they'd be like, I don't have it? Yes, basically. That is basically what was happening. And then you have to think about who is Silicon Valley Bank's clients? Hedge funds, venture capital firms, tech startups. It's Silicon Valley, guys. Oh. Like, think about that. So their people had millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, for real? Deposited. And they wanted their money, and they're like, we don't have your money. And worse, when I go to raise the capital needed, I bought all of those bonds that I paid $100 for. And right now, in order to sell them and make some of the money back, I can only sell them for 50 And why can I only sell them for 50 Because in order to get someone to take a 3% rate of return, when the market's offering 5 I have to sell them the security at a discount. Right? That's how the world works. Why would I pay you $100 for your bond that pays 3% when for $100 I can go to the open market and get a bond that pays me 5%? At which point, if I'm a bond seller and I have a bunch of 3% coupons, I can raise my hand and say, no, but I'll give you a discount on the purchase. So you'll make the money up by buying these at a discount. But that works until it doesn't. So all of a sudden, bingo, bongo, bango, a run on this bank and this bank not having the ability to liquidate and raise the capital needed, it forced the FDIC, the federal government to step in, seize control of the bank and try to make right by the market. So that is what transpired, okay? Now that had that had a, um, a little bit of a waterfall event because when it happened at Silicon Valley Bank, then the people who bank with Signature Bank out of New York, they freaked out. And they went to the bank and they want their money. Give me my money. And guess what happened? I ain't got it. I ain't got it. Yo, what? So same thing happened. Yeah, so banks are businesses and businesses do fail. And they, they sometimes fail due to events that are out of their control. Most times, it's a combination. Events out of their control and mismanagement. The good news is our government did step in. And they are protecting the depositors. They're protecting the John Coleman's, right? They're like, hey, look, if Signature, Val- Signature, if Signature or yeah. if Silicon Valley Bank cannot come up with the funds, mm-hmm. your money is not lost. Is that is, we insure you up to two hundred thousand dollars, or is it like for everything you got? Well, that's typically what FDIC right? insurance is. But there's, what if you had a million dollars? Yeah, in where's there? the rest of my what money? If you had two million dollars in there. Now let's think about this. What if you had $2 million in there that you were using to make payroll because your company was, I'm just going to name one, Spotify. Yeah. No way. And you can't access your money because they ain't got it? Better go to Amscot. (laughs) Can can you go to Amscot to make payroll? I thought that's where people went when when they needed a payday advance. I guess. Yeah. So it's crazy, right? Oh, I see. I see. It is crazy. So that's like, that is what has transpired. That is how we got here. Question for you. Question. Two questions for you. A, did they not see this happening? They ramp up to where they could eventually be like, hey, we're in trouble. Hey, we're in trouble. Hey, we're in trouble. To where now it's like the headline of everything. Like, how did it get? Yeah, that's for the talking heads and the pundits and the geeky of geeks Mm -hmm. to really figure out. I'm sure, John, there are some people with SVB that saw this coming, Mm -hmm. but maybe they didn't anticipate the magnitude, right? It's kind of like mob mentality, right? Because when when, when you get spooked and you're running the bank to take your money out, is it just you that's going? Or do you maybe tell Murph and Ty on the way to the Mm -hmm. bank? And Murph and Ty are like, wait a minute, 
I bank there too. Shit. Oh my God. So does my college roommate and all five of his business partners. And then all of a sudden you all agree that your money is unsafe. Perception is reality. The minute y'all start showing up and you want your money, they got to give it to you. The problem is that they didn't got it. Or in order to get it, they have to take a billion dollar loss because you're forcing them into a trade they weren't willing to make. Cause you gotta think, they took your money and they invested it. And they felt like they invested it in a safe investment, a sound investment. And everything would have been all kosher as long as you and your friends didn't need your money. But I need my money. But the minute you need your money. God, it's so fake. That's forcing them, Mm -hmm. the bank, to actually take a paper loss and realize it. The example I would use, I bought 10,000 shares of Home Depot stock at $100 a share. Let's go. Today, that stock is worth $80 a share. Mm -mm. Have I really lost not a little bit, but not twenty thousand dollars or two hundred thousand dollars on paper, but I haven't lost until I actually sell it. So if I don't need mm. to sell that stock in a year or two, it could go back up. It could go back up and then some, right? So it's a paper loss until you have to actually click the button that says sell. Mm-hmm. And so that that is what's transpired. So let's talk about what does this mean going forward? Because that was like most of the questions. What does that mean to us? Y'all ready for this answer? Is the government going to, like, make us bail them out again or something? No. Okay. No, they they let SVB fail. They let Signature fail. I'm going to let you get that if you earned it. Yep. What they're not, what they did do is they did step in and they did give assurances to the The consumer, Mm. to the client, saying, we're going to make sure you get made whole. Okay. I do not believe anything that I've read says that's going to fall on the taxpayer. Okay. But then again, I mean, as my mom and dad told me growing up, money don't grow in trees. So they do have to go out and find that money. Mm. But the questions that I was receiving from viewers and, and, and listeners that wanted me to talk about this is more about what does that mean? And guys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's a little bit of a unknown burger right now. It's not a nothing burger. I can tell you that it's a whole lot of unknown. It's a whole lot of uncertainty, right? Cause there's emotions. That are, that are in play. Actual consumer emotions are in play. There are investor emotions. There are trader emotions. So people who invest in banks, people who do business with banks, people who run banks, like there's the, the numbers on the spreadsheets and there's also the gut feelings, mm-hmm. the warm and fuzzies or the butterflies or the nerves and collectively they're gonna play out. So a lot of bank stocks have taken a beating. Is there going to be a run on another particular bank? Don't know, right? We literally don't know. It's a big wait and see game. Do we anticipate the Federal Reserve potentially slowing down or stopping their rate hikes? We do. Oh yeah, that's the current news. The current news as of mid-March 2023 is that we would anticipate if the Federal Reserve was going to raise by 50 basis points, it's going to be 25. If they were planning on doing 25, it's going to be zero. Because they, according to many people that I've talked to, the Federal Reserve has achieved one of their goals. They've broken the system. They were going to raise rates until something broke, right? They had to get inflation in check so that that was one of their goals. But what is the ripple? What is the waterfall? Where's the collateral damage? The next couple of weeks is going to be very telling because here's, here's some people that are in the crosshairs right now. And by the way, I'm not saying anything negative about these companies. 
I'm not saying anything positive about these companies. I am not a, is it CNBC news correspondent, right? Who spends hours upon hours diving deep into the technical charts, right? My goal with this show and John's goal with this show is to introduce everybody to thoughts, Mm -hmm. introduce them to theories, introduce them to mindsets that then would allow them to go do their research that's necessary, right? That's, that, that is our goal across the board, right? Like we don't give financial advice, but we do talk about financial matters. Why? We want to open your eyes. We want to invite you into the room where it happens. We want to invite you to the table where the conversations are being had. So then you can at least be one step further along than you were prior to tuning in. So this episode is just that. Understand that I have not and nor am I paid to do a technical analysis on, on these companies and their inner workings. Mm-hmm. And even if I did, I mean, at the end of the day, someone like Kramer who is on CNBC was talking about how SVB was a great buy just like a month or two ago. So even those people aren't always correct. But no, but here's here's people that are in the crosshairs. Western Alliance Bank. Many of y'all have not heard of Western Alliance Bank. But if I tell you they own a Marahome, let me tell you a little story about a Marahome. A Marahome is one of the top three purchasers of mortgages. If you run a mortgage company and you are looking to sell your loans that you recently funded, they are one of the largest aggregators that you're selling loans to. If something negative were to transpire with Western Alliance and a Merrill home was impacted and you are no longer able to deliver loans to a Merrill home, that's going to suck. That's going to suck because now you have one less takeout. That means there's one less purchaser of the widgets or mortgages mm-hmm. that you are creating, which means those that are left don't have to necessarily compete as hard for your business, right? So that would be a negative thing. How about this? You run a mortgage company or you work for a mortgage company and all mortgage companies operate off a warehouse line of credit. That's how we fund our loans. And all of a sudden, Western Alliance has a bank run. Again, I'm not saying this is happening to Western Alliance, but when I read the news publications and trade publications, they are currently in the crosshairs. Well, if you lose your warehouse line of credit, that is literally a single shot to the head. You're done. You cannot fund loans. Most independent mortgage banks have enough cash on hand to fund loans for a couple days. Couple days, bro. You need your warehouse line. But if the bank that you fund your loans through the bank that gives you that warehouse line has something negative transpire and they have to cut all warehouse lending as a way to either write the ship or mitigate risk or who knows what that impacts you that impacts your clients so we have another bank in the crosshairs first republic first republic is a top 20 lender in america they're the number six jumbo lender in america Right. They, too, are facing very similar headwinds that Silicon Valley Bank faced and that Signature Bank faced. We know SVB has failed and we know that Signature has failed. Right now, as of mid-March, Western Alliance, First Republic, uh, they're standing strong. Right. And a lot of that has to probably to do with the federal government stepping in in making whole the clients of SVB, the clients of Signature. Had they not done that, we could have seen a massive bank run 
on half a dozen to a dozen mm. banks. That would have been catastrophic. So hopefully we have avoided catastrophe, but the verdict's still out. Only time will tell. Because as the dust starts to settle, you are going to have banks take a hard look at who they're in business with, who are they giving warehouse lines to, and can they continue that relationship? And let me just throw this out there while we're talking about warehouse lines. Talk to a friend of mine who she works in that arena. She told me that 20 to 25% of her mortgage clients today are in violation of their covenants for their warehouse lines of credit. In order to have a warehouse line of credit as a mortgage lender, I have to be able to show my where my warehouse lender certain stats about my company. One of those stats is my profitability. And if I'm not profitable consecutive quarters, I've broken one of those key core covenants, meaning I very well could be cut off. The minute that happens again, what is it? It's a single shot, shot to, to the head, head. Mm. and I'm out. So then let me just compound it even further. We have what's called counterparty risk. When you're running a mortgage company, you have counterparty risk. Meaning my regulators, whether it's the FHFA, whether it's the CFPB, whether it's the aggregators like Amerihome Home that I sell loans to, or like New Res that I sell loans to, or like Chase that I sell loans to, or maybe it's the MI companies that allow me to underwrite files, but then they insure them with the private mortgage insurance that they offer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We all have counterparty risk, meaning that the vendors that I select in order to operate my business, if they are doing things unscrupulous, I can be held at fault. If they are doing things that are um, not highly regarded as safe, sound, or fiscally prudent, I can be held responsible. So right now what's happening at the executive level amongst dozens, if not hundreds of mortgage lenders is the companies that we have to work with in order to run our business, they're emailing us saying, hey, how much exposure did you have to SVB? How much exposure did you have to Signature? How much exposure do you have to insert bank here? Whatever bank is currently in the crosshairs, whatever bank is currently being discussed, whether it's openly or behind closed doors, if that is a bank that I have chosen to do business with as a way to operate my business, I could very well have consequences that I have to handle that weren't even my fault. They were only my fault because that's who I chose to do business with and now that company is potentially failing or potentially um, in violation of XYZ regulation, code of conduct, et cetera. So like when it's like, hey, Dio, what does this mean? It ain't good. Jury's still out. But the, yeah, the verdict's still out. Like the verdict's still out. The federal, the, 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 the federal government stepping in and saying what they said in order to calm the fears and to um, maybe qualm some of the uh, irrational behavior was fantastic. But we're going to have to sit back and watch and witness and trust at the end of the day, none of us can control this. It's out of our control, right? It is what it is. And most of us who are tuned in, we are like low man, low woman on the totem pole. 
We are pawns in the big scheme of things. So we'll just have to make adjustments. We'll have to be able to pivot. We'll have to keep an open mind. Um, understanding what is transpiring is the best you can do, right? Tuning in today to today's episode, hopefully it was more of a, oh, that's what that means? Please explain. That's yeah. what, what is going on. But to try to project out what the next 30, 60, 90 days will look like, like, how about this? Be on your toes. Be ready for the unexpected. It could be a whole lot of nothing burger. It could be, hey, you know what? We are able to clot the bleeding. We are able to suture the wound and we're on to healing. Or it could be we did all of that. Now we have an infection. Buckle up. Yes. You know what I heard, Dustin? What'd I'm going to go to Wells Fargo today and withdraw all of my money out of checking, all 300 out of checking and all 600 out of my savings account and put it under my mattress where it belongs. Well, you do you, homie, but I wouldn't advise that. Oh, for real? No. I mean, you're FDIC insured with that small amount of money, John, to begin with. But at the Damn. end of the day, at the end of the day, we haven't talked about one of these collapses since 2008. I mean, that was. I was 16. How, 2008. Yeah, that was a lot of years ago, John. That was like 15 years ago. So 15 years ago was the last time something like this transpired. And we are in a very crazy economic time, mm -hmm. one that we haven't seen in decades, right? In terms of like what inflation has done, what the Federal Reserve has done to try to curb inflation, right? We are heading towards a recession. Is this going to be what it takes to push us into that recession? I don't know because all of the employment numbers and the job numbers, they're not turning fast enough to make one believe that we were on a bullet train mm. towards recession. But we definitely are trying to, as a country and as a Federal Reserve, we are trying to crash land. <laughs> it's just a matter of is it a crash land or is it a smooth land? Is it a bumpy land? We're trying to get things under control. And these failures are a byproduct of, of some crazy monetary policies and then trying to correct those monetary policies and try to get things back to being. We even. need to get you on TV because that was a very man's, I mean, like down to earth, like common man's explanation of. Well, if you put it out there, John, maybe it'll happen. Right at this point, all we need is the people who do tune in to keep tuning in. Right. Keep tuning in. Tell a friend. Tell, tell five friends. Tell a stranger. Tell a stranger. Tell a client. Because John and I would love nothing more but to do two-hour episodes Shit. Monday Ooh, through Friday, both 48 work? weeks out of the year. The hell? Only two weeks off? Four weeks off, John. Oh, yeah. Four my weeks math off. Ain't my, uh, my math ain't mathing today. Yep, and every Friday. Every Friday's what? We'll have every Friday off, too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> No, um, hopefully that's a little bit of what, yes. what people were, were requesting. It's about as comfortable as I can get. And it's honestly, it's, it's the truth as I know it. Like we really don't know, right? What I do know is mortgage rates have, have gotten cheaper over the past <laughs> week and a half. I know this is bad. I know that, um, that there's going to be some collateral damage. We just don't know where mm -hmm. that collateral damage is going to come from hey. and what it looks like. But this very well could be the beginning mm -hmm. of us as a economy getting ourselves back in check yeah. um as the best line in aliens say stay frosty i don't even know what that means aliens you never watched aliens i don't know what stay frosty means that means like when the marines are like shooting aliens he's like stay frosty stay alert stay on your toes okay you never watched aliens probably not with John. sigourney weaver 
Bro. Sci-fi? What the f- I told you, rom-coms is where it's at. Oh, but hold on. <laughs> I can do rom-coms all day long. Hold on, you never saw Alien, the first Alien. Is there any nudity in it? If you're talking about movies when the I was a classic. kid. It's a classic. Look, Aliens? Rambo. I'd watched Rambo. I watched Rocky. God. Coming to America. Like, those are some good movies. N- Aliens? N- oh, <laughs> my. It defined a generation of horror. Did it? Oh Revenge of the Nerds? Like, those are some good movies. Those were some the good Goonie? American Pie? Oh, I watched the Goonies. The Goonies was the closest I could get to sci-fi because Sloth was a little bit sci-fi. So you're not a sci-fi guy. Not a sci-fi guy. Nope. Nope. Not a sci-fi guy. Um, I'm also not like a banking regulator. So um, I, put, I, I hope I did this episode I'll, justice. I'll, I'll put an asterisk with a disclaimer in the description so we don't get in trouble. All right. Well, you do that. And for everyone else, do us a favor. Uh, if you haven't done so, go on YouTube. Find at the Lunar Podcast. Sub, Please subscribe. Sub, sub. Thank you for tuning in on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you go to listen to your favorite podcast. Mm-hmm. Give us that five star review. Refer us to at least three people. Continue to follow us on all of our social handles and check out our website, theloanofficerpodcast.com. Or if that is too many letters for you to type into the URL. Just do tloponline.com. It'll Word. take you to the same exact place. And look for us coming to a city near you. He's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. That's all the time we have for you today. We will catch you on the next episode. Peace. Bye.